Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Paul LaFavor. I'm here with my ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn, and this is the Pinelander podcast. Uh, it is Friday, February 25th, 2022. Uh, as you know, the, a lot of things going on in the world, uh, but something that uh, is always near and dear to our hearts is marriage. Uh, so today we have uh, one of our blacksmith authors. We want to introduce uh, Dr. Brian Hargis. Uh, a U.S. Army chaplain, also a Special Forces soldier, who's written an amazing book called Marriage is a Four-Letter Word. And uh, just so everybody knows, the word is work. Uh, but Brian, welcome to the Pinelander. Hey, thanks, team. It's good to be here. appreciate the invite and look forward to this podcast. Well, it's certainly timely. Um, yeah. What? Uh, tell us about the book and why you, uh, why you, you know, decided to put pen to paper yeah. and, and put this thing out. Sure thing. Yeah. So you gave away the title. Well, you gave away the title, of course, but then you gave away the word. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes <laughs> I will, you know, I ask people, I'll talk about the book, say, Hey, do you know what that word is? They say marriage is a four letter word. They say, you know, automatically, what, what, what do you assume they would say guys? Maybe love. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of love. Um, I had one one person. Oh, it's hate. 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 <laughs> you know, sometimes hate, right? I, uh, I had one soldier in the motor pool. He said, "It's hell, chaplain." That's right, hell. <laughs> I said, "I said I'm gonna put that in a book." And I was in the process of finishing my edit. I it actually made it in there, one of the chapters. But um, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say it's it's love a lot. And uh, there's there's another book out there by an author that marriage is a four letter word. And I, I bought the book to see if he plagiarized off mine, but he didn't. It's uh, this is all about love, but mine is work. Yeah. I call it work because it's a it's a lifetime commitment. I mean, I, I often say you got to do to do to keep her what you did to win her, and so often we drift in heart uh, before we ever drift apart. But you know, you think think about, I guess a little intro to that team is that. You want to consider your your marriage, uh, that that foundation of the marriage, sort of like owning a home. And I approach it in, in chapter one. Before we get too far into it, just to give you a little little taste of it, I talk about how that uh, that little that four letter word work is is like owning owning a home. And I use the analogy: Are you do you have a renter's mentality or a owner's mm -hmm. mentality? Have you have you ever rented an apartment or a home before? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, so when when you rent, of course, what happens if your, you know, your your faucet, you know, starts leaking and starts spraying all over the floor, and you, you know, you do your best to contain it and try to figure out how to shut the water off. I mean, what's the next step? Do you just run to Lowe's and buy the parts and come back and fix it? Oh no, uh, landlord! Got to call that landlord. Landlord. Wait, wait, wait. So you call somebody that owns the place, have them come over and repair it. Oh, yeah. And if you, uh, you know, if you, you develop another problem in the house, electrical problem, same thing. I mean, you, 
you call the person that owns a home to come over and repair it. And I mean, if a uh, worst case scenario, you decide that you want to pick up and move, you only lose the deposit. I mean, some people do that, but I mean, you, your, your term is, is short and you usually have a contract for X amount of time, but uh, you can come and go as you please. It's a little bit different when you own. Do either of you, you currently own? Yeah, uh, we, we, we do. We, we both own. Yeah. Of course, you know, that's because we're older. No one, <laughs> no one in their right mind would probably sell us a house when we were younger. <laughs> well, I remember first, first, uh, what, four years of my life, about seven years. We, we got married right after jump school, moved down to Fort Bragg and, and uh, lived in an apartment there off of Fayetteville and Yadkin, Cliffdale Apartments. And we rented from there and then went back to Ohio into the National Garden, rented. I mean, it was a long time before we ever got a home. But in this case, it's like you, you, you don't invest in it. You just pay your rent because you don't own it. But if, if you're like us and you own a home, now when the faucet leaks, it's your responsibility. You can call a repairman, but it's still your responsibility to fix it. If you got a leak in your ceiling, it's only going to get worse over time. But what happens is, is that, you know, people fail to start to, to they fail to pour in to the home and, and keep the repairs up. And, and what happens is it begins to fall into decay or the, the values diminished. And if you think about uh, maybe childhood where you remember that one person on the block that never mowed the grass or like grow real high or the home fall into decay, that's a lot like marriages, but here's the issue guys, Mike and Paul is that when you um, have a renter's mentality and a marriage that you're supposed to own, yeah. you, you know, you ended up vacating the premises without putting work into it and, um, and you destroy what you have. So I, I asked, you know, going into chapter one, do you have a renter's mentality or do you have an owner's mentality? And, and are you able to flip the switch to say, man, this is mine. I got to pour into it. And the more I pour into it, the more I'm going to get out of it. And oh, oh by the way, marriage isn't 50, 50, it's a hundred and a hundred. So it takes, mm. it takes some work. It takes some work for sure. Well, you know, I got to confess, um, my wife and I, we've been married for over 30 years. Um, and I, I can honestly tell you, I don't think I had an owner's mentality mm-hmm. for, for, a, for a good portion of, of our marriage. Um, but thank God she did. And, um, but, you, you know, sometimes you don't come to that realization until later. But, you know, then it's like, man, I tell you what, I, I've got something pretty special here. I better, I better start investing, you know, because I'm not, wow. sometimes I scratch, scratch my head and I wonder, like, why does she hang out so long? But thank God she did. <laughs> yeah, I, man. And I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us in the military, um, you know, out there chasing, you know, chasing our military ambition. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of, a lot of deployments, a lot of time away. I think it's really easy to kind of put that on the back bor- uh, back burner and take it for uh, granted. And uh, oh, I tell you what, once I once I retired out of the military, I was like, I, I was like, man, I better refocus. Um, and thank God she's still hanging out, you know. Yeah, yeah, we. I'm the same way. I have a a good woman who stuck with me when I was a knucklehead, and she saw something in me. And God put in her heart that um, that I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't deserve. We should, we should be divorced many times over. I should be in hell with my back, bro. If the truth be told, but I think God, she's stuck with me now. We've been married as well, thirty years, and it's just a miracle. It's just the grace of God that He turned it around because 
you know, I didn't have that. I, I didn't have the commitment to marriage. I didn't pour into it. It was super. I mean, I was in love, but after a while, I my love. Here's the deal with 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 us, especially in the profession that we were in, in special operations. Well, I'll just back up to how we're made. I mean, think about how the composition of how we're made. And God made us. He gave us a job, and He gave us a relationship with Him in the Garden of Eden, right? Back in Genesis chapter number two and three with Adam. And um, when he made, you know, he made us to conquer. He made us to, uh, he made us to be aggressive. He made us in ways that is is different from the woman. And not to get in the sidebar, but think about it. When God made Eve, those for our listeners, if you're listening, you believe in the Bible creation, God's creation, how that all happened. He brought, he he made Eve. And brought her to Adam. God didn't make Eve for himself. He made Adam for himself, but he made Eve for Adam. Think about that for a minute. I mean, just chew on that spiritually. And when he brought Eve to Adam, I, I'm, I'm sure that she had all the curves and bumps in all the right places because God designed her for him. He probably took a step back and said, whoa, man. <laughs> just being comical about it. But um, in that context... We are we are so different. We we are different in how we think. Men are made to conquer. We we like to conquer. We like to accomplish things. We we are attracted by what we see, and what we can conquer. Whereas men, women, you know, they're they're made of emotions. They're made, uh, you know, to 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 feel. The, not that men don't, but you know, we they they're in t- more in touch with their senses. Is how God, you know, made us. So they're attracted by, you know, what they hear, and um, and the emotional part of it. So us as guys, you know, think about our military lifestyle early on. We we can become attracted to something else. Men can easily be dissuaded in and um, in their passions because our we can be sidetracked by what we see. <laughs> that's why we have to guard ourselves. We can. That's why marriage is important to guard yourself because we uh, we often go after what we're attracted to by what we see and what we can conquer. And it, it ne- doesn't necessarily have to be a woman. It could be, it could be a pr- profession. Uh, for me, it was um, becoming a green beret as a 23 year old became my God. And that was what separated my marriage. You know, th- th- hey, Brian. Just for the pack- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So something you just put out, you, you're, uh, you're laying Talk out for me here. That's awesome. Is, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to chime in before I forget this. Yeah, do this. I'm getting old, but uh, basically, how we've uh, we've lived up to this point is we we go to the Q course, we knock it out. Yep. You know, yep. the next thing, knock it out, and then. But marriage is not the same thing as passing the Q course. Uh, you know, this is there's different rules involved. You know, uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, and what I've learned is, uh, you know, there's. Uh, it's almost uh, you're setting some of the things you've learned on your head because yeah. you, you have to, uh, you know, you're going to have to give into some areas. You're going to have to grow in some areas that you're not really familiar with. And uh, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say, too, is, is uh, that I after I've read your book, I see that, it's especially feelings, emotions. That's a part of us that, that most men uh, and the ones that uh, gravitate to our profession we don't really like to talk about, talk about our feelings. You know, we, that's something we usually don't do, but, uh, uh, something I've read in your book and something yeah. I'm hearing you say is that's something 
you're going to have to consider and work on and be uh, attuned to. Is that is that about right? Yeah, because, you know, you think about it, we, we need to appeal to what the other person needs. Um, and and that's going to be to appeal to those uh, those senses, uh, you know, the taste, the touch, the thoughts, the the feeling, and and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, it all comes down to security that 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 God created the women uh, to want overall. And, and and no matter where, you know, throughout history, it's still going to come down to that. We may have some li- listening that are all involved with. You know different things about women's liberation and equal rights, and I'm not against much of that, but I I am saying that, um, you know, when we learn how to love and how to how to be in love and how to how to treat them, how to fill their love tank, you know, it really helps us in that regard. Plus, uh, since we men in general are attracted by what we can, what we see and what we can conquer. Um, it's easy. It's easier for us to um, take our eyes off of one thing and go towards another. You know, uh, you fall out of love with one thing, and then you know you fall in love with another. It might be a bass boat, and then, it, then it's you know a bunch of guns, and then it moves on to another woman, uh, because the love can be dissuaded if not channelized and focused. That's why it takes some work. Whereas women are more generally steadfast in that area, um, they're, they're less likely to to fall out of love um, in the short term, they're more likely to stick it out, which is what our wives did. However, the very thing we don't supply, that security is the very thing that somebody else can slip ar- uh, alongside and and uh, supply for them. So for instance, uh, take some of the security measures of, let's take like financial security. Financial, let's take spiritual, how about physical security, emotional security, sexual security? These these kind of things that they're, they're inert and and our our wives they want those, they need those. They may not be able to express them like that, but if I can't supply financial security, well, she's either going to. And I'm not saying she can't she can't be a part of that, but overall, if I can't, the very thing I can't supply is, is something that our uh, spiritual enemy will come alongside yeah. and, and supply, such as. If I'm not taking the time to uh, to listen to to learn how to communicate better and listen and and absorb some of that and and sharing that emotional intellect, then it's easy for somebody else to come alongside and fill that gap where I don't because we're so preoccupied with other things like special operations and the Q Corps. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you know it'd be neat to crunch the numbers to know how many marriages were sacrificed because of a military school that became an obsession. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, our community is full of guys that have multiple relationships, um, multiple yeah. wives, um, lots right. of lots of kids by, you know, ex-wives. Sure. Um, and the kids, of course, suffer from that whole, you know, arrangement as well. Right. Um, of course, I'm just, you know, I'm just listening to you talk and I'm thinking back on my 30 years and I can, I can honestly say, I think at least in my particular situation, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Uh, thank God my wife and I are, were good friends. Yeah. Um, really good friends before, you know, anything else, because when, when things come up, uh, tough things that come up in life, 
you know, you're, 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 you know, you're really going to have to like power through the tough times. And I think the friendship was mm-hmm. at least something that was kind of yeah. key in our relationship. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you think about that, but you know, it's not, it's not always, you know, it's not always sexual, the hot chick. No, this no, and that. I mean, no. some of it's just, you know, just knowing that you have somebody there that you can really count on and that you kind of cherish their opinion and their, and their, yeah. their uh, thoughts on things. Yeah, I mean, it does take that connectedness. But, guys, we're talking about different generations. We're two or three generations displaced from those today that are struggling through it. You know, we, we're we still coming out of a, a working-class culture that, for the most part, still had an essence of what family looked like. I mean, you think, you think about growing up, uh, if there was somebody divorced in a neighborhood, you probably knew who it was, but now every third home as a you know single parent raising children so it's not uncommon and i talk about in the book about the divorce rate and how that affects uh affects us in life it's called society's view of marriage and i'm looking over here at please chapter number four um that's marriage killers that's another one but society's view of marriage is so different than uh then maybe more of a fundamental view of, of marriage from our generation or a, or a conservative view of marriage, a Christian view of marriage, because, again, we get into that uh, renter or leaser's mentality as opposed to an owner's mentality. And then um, we have a what I call, what do you call it, a fast food, you know, relate, it's, it's a instant gratification generation today that if it doesn't work out in five minutes, then they're just, I'm done with it. There's no stickability. Paul and Mike, there's, there's no commitment like you, you talk about. If it doesn't work, then, you know, I'll just, I'll just uh, flush and get another one. Yeah. And that's because of what society presents to, um, you know, in culture today, especially in American culture is what I'm talking about, is because I, I identified that at the time, 50, you know, we're talking a few years ago, 51% of first marriages ended in divorce. 51% of first marriages in a divorce. And you can look at the statistics uh, from from a few years ago and from today. It's it's going to be anywhere from 48 to 53%, depending on who you get your numbers from. But still, man, half of marriages in a divorce. Hey, and that's uh, not bad. In- <laughs> hey, Brian, on that note, yeah. uh, like you said, uh, I mean, I reading your book uh, lately, just getting ready for this yeah. podcast, I kind of saw... Uh, you kind of went through and talked about what we're hitting now is uh, like uh, examples, trends, and yeah, yeah. people, people grow up and they have, uh, you know, they see, they know the half of marriages in a divorce. They're like, well, you know, if I don't get my needs met, then I'm out of here. Yeah. And then the, the trend yeah. is also, like you said, fast food, like, Hey, I want uh, you know big Mac with extra cheese. I want it, you know, like, just like this. Now, if you don't deliver, you're yeah, out of here. Gratification. And, then, and then the goal also is like, when I was a kid, my uh, the goals that I saw the adults had, and my dad and my mother, uh, were to have a family uh, that has values, biblical values that reflect uh, what we yeah. read in the Word of God, and uh, also looking at Ephesians five, where it says, "Hey, their marriage represents the relationship between Christ and the church." And so I grew up right. seeing that and hearing that, and uh, now the goal is not so much, "Hey." Have a family, uh, bust your butt to and die yeah. for your family provide if necessary. For them, sure. Provide for them, 
And then, hey, if your job pans out nice, whatever, who cares? But the big thing is your family. And so now yeah. I see it's not about family. It's about what can you get out of yourself? What, what is there for you? Yeah, let me yeah. Yeah, let me, let me hit both of you guys. Cause listen, both of you guys are, are preachers. Um, both of you do a lot of counseling. Um, and I know that the, the societal information that they're putting out now to, to the young people is, you know, men and women are equal, sure. uh, no difference. Um, you know, you could, even if you, if you just feel like a woman, you're a woman, you don't even have to have the parts, right. um, which is kind of, which is kind of weird because in our generation and the way I look at my marriage is my wife possesses all of those skill sets that I do not have. I mean, let's just face it. When I, you know, we all have kids, there's things that my wife does for my children that I would struggle to provide and vice versa. And we recognize there's sort of an honoring of those different talents and thank God that she's bringing things to the table because I would, you know, I would just suck at it. Um, But to now I'm wondering for you two, like when you're having counseling with, with young couples and this sort of equality um, nonsense that they've been brought up in, um, do they, do they feel like they, both possess the same skill sets that, that there's really no difference. It's just like a, it's like a business partnership. I mean, how, how do, how do these young people now go into like marriage counseling? How do they deal with these things? Go ahead take a crack on that, Paul. And I'll give my, yeah. Hey, so um, I was just thinking about this the other day. We had a young man uh, who I was privileged to give premarital counseling. Uh, one of the former, one of my former students at SUT, so it's kind of neat. Uh, Adam, if you're listening, I'm just talking about you. Uh, but uh, it was great uh, that he actually cared. He wanted to do it right. Uh, had uh, went through the premarital counseling with him, and uh, both of him and his fiance, uh, you know, believers in Christ, Christians. Uh, and so what was yeah. refreshing is to just kind of see that. Uh, now, there was some... Uh, we had to kind of unpack some things that they had learned and we had to unlearn those. And so some sure. of those things came as a little bit of a shock uh, that, Hey, you know, uh, yes, you're uh, created in the, in the image of God. And so as male, man, and fe- male and female, you're equal in that respect. Uh, yeah. But God holds the man responsible. So if the man, family, yeah. if the finances suck, it's his fault. If this, if it, whatever it is, if he's failing that patrol, it's his fault. And so just that idea, and just to see the, the young lady's face uh, kind of get that. Uh, and, yeah. you know, fortunately for him, there was no, uh, I don't think she had a problem with him wearing the pants and being the leader and being responsible. Right. But here's the thing. What woman has a problem uh, submitting to her husband who is willing to die for her and love her? And, and the goal of loving her is loving her as Christ loved the church. And Amen. so, but my whole point is this. Uh, from my experience um, in the last probably five years, I've had to people had to unlearn some things, and they are just yeah. inculcated into you know movies, uh, you know uh, books, uh, whatever that they're that's coming at them, bombarding them every day with hey, this is how it's supposed to be with all the wokeism and all that stuff. But um, mm-hmm. but people are really I've found. That people are, they want the truth 
and you know people are starting to see uh, that hey, this other way of doing things that's not God's way is not going to work, yeah. and it's not going to make you happy, and it's chaotic, uh, and and so it's always good to see people that say, hey, I want to do it God's way, and they just they're they're coming around. I'm seeing anyway, just a little bit of a success story. I know we hear a lot of negativity, so there's my little praise report. Yeah, I mean, I'm, no. just to, just to just to tap on that, Brian, just to hear what you know, what's your thoughts on it. But yeah, Paula, I'm I'm picking up what you're laying down because when it comes to counseling, oh wow, it does get inundated with lots yeah. uh, of the things you see are the same. Uh, the problems you see are the same things just from different people because people are people to people. Yeah. And so what I recognize is that with the you know with the younger couples, there's less stickability, there's less commitment. You yeah. Know, with the, you know tossed about with every little wave of whatever. <laughs> and it could be um, it could be as simple as one not being able to give what the other one thinks they should give. For instance, I had a I had a couple I counseled that uh, poor guy was a specialist, didn't make much money, but they got married a, a few months prior, and then she moved down to the duty location, and uh, she wanted this Louis Vuitton purse that cost like eight hundred bucks. They've been fighting over it. And they came to counseling. I had talked to him before and worked work with him, but she just couldn't get her in her head. He's like, "Hey, I I want to get this for you, but financially, we need to, you know, we need to pump the brakes and prepare for X, Y, Z." But she came from a rich family with a silver spoon in her mouth. I mean, her father bought her a Mercedes when she was sixteen, and now she's married to a specialist. Well, <laughs> so that- in the middle of counseling, she said, "Well, I'll just call my dad, and he'll buy it for me." That's an easy fix. <laughs> call dad. Yeah. I know, and and I could just see the demeanor of this poor specialist. He just melted because he wanted to be everything to her, but he couldn't compete, you know, with that. And and these younger couples are coming from different, yeah, different home uh, home family units, and and one of the biggest problems. And guys, you'll key in on this if we want to go into that discussion later. Is that, you know, we we're talking about generation that is raised without fathers. Mm. Uh, so there's a big influence of women, and it leads yeah. to the feminism, and it leads yeah. to you know we're seeing it in our churches, and and uh, you know we're just the 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 the, the manly man is dying away, and, and what we're left with is a, a pale comparison to what was. I, I'm yeah. not saying you be like the Marlboro man in the commercials, you know all that, but there's something to say about the manly man that provides the physical security that the you know wife will know that hey. If, if if he's got to throw down to protect me, or at least he's going to stand up to protect me, whether or not he can, will he? Is he going to provide? Is he going to work? Is he going to pour into me spiritually? And you hit on it, uh, Paul, when you talked about uh, men being leaders, and I, I talk about in the book being loving leaders of your home. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a leader, but I wasn't a loving leader. Yeah. And 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 it's and it's hard for a woman to follow a jerk, yeah. but. When you turn that around and you get in, in, you align with God's hierarchy of of the marriage, and you fall in love with Him as the leader of your home, and men as loving leaders, I don't know if any. Well, there there are some, but few women won't follow that. It's just inert. It's how God made us. When we lead in love, they'll follow. I believe for God that, so loved the what? God so loved the world yeah. that He gave. When you love, you give. Yeah. When you're in love, you give. You give your time, your talent, your treasure, your work, and it doesn't feel like work because it's just part of what you do. Hey, Brian, I believe. Sorry, Mike. I no, believe no. you're right that uh, 
I think women really do want a real man. That's what I was going to ask. Once that is willing to die for them. I believe yeah. that in their heart of hearts, women really don't want a beta male. They don't. They want a guy that's going to stand up for them, that's mm-hmm. going to yeah. protect them, that's going to respect them, all those things, and love them and and care for them. That's what they really want. I yeah. believe that. Yeah, you, you, yeah, that's what I was going to ask earlier. I mean, do you find that sometimes the women are saying uh, what they want based off of what they've been taught, but in reality, they're really yeah. looking for what Paul yeah. just said. They're looking yeah. for that that real man, mm-hmm. if you will. I don't know. They, yeah, I mean, it's inert. I don't know that they know what they're looking for. I mean, the Bible shows in Romans chapter one that we have we have qualities within us that He designed us with, but we can hear from that. When we can, um, and look, it, it comes down to how we're raising our children. It comes down to the the uh, the societal and cultural um, influence and education system that we have in our school. Uh, so all of those things contribute to who we become. Uh, we are, uh, we are, we are composed of what we're introduced to and influenced by. We are a product of that over time. Yeah, so, hey, go ahead. Hey, uh, Brian, something that you you hit on is awesome in your book uh, that I love. It's in chapter eight. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a good ways into it, but you hit this nail on the head, and that is at the fall, uh, a product of the curse is uh, the man is, is w- the man wants to dominate his wife forcefully and to make her obey him and all those bad things. And, mm-hmm. the, and the woman wants to undermine the guy and just yeah. kind of uh, subvert him. I mean, that is the essence of who we are, sinners. And that's this is part of the, the beauty of your book is you show, hey, this look, it, there's a battle of the sexes going on. And that battle of the sexes doesn't end when you get married. You just got to work at that. You have to say no to that inclination mm-hmm. to just really control your man and make him who you want him to be. And then for the guy yeah. to, you know, to do all of his nefarious things. So I, well, I, I love how you yeah. do that in the book. What are your well, thoughts on that? Yeah, when you strip, when you strip a lot of it away, it comes down to respect and love. Yeah, you know, that's you know, it. Is women want to be loved and men want to be respected. It's not that we don't want to be loved, but. I know, and, and then we have personalities that, that, that Mike talked about and how that plays into understanding each other, understanding ourselves, understanding what they need to feel loved, uh, appreciated, valued, respected. Uh, you know, we've, we've all heard or probably done the five love languages, and it really keys in on, on those things of, of them that they need, like uh, Tracy and I, we teach, and we teach, and we do this stuff all the time, but yeah. I remember a few years ago, we... I was teaching the five love languages and we, she took the test along with 40 other individuals and 20 couples in there. And I looked over at a paper while I'm walking around encouraging people as they're going through the test. And she had her number one priority. Her love language was quality time. Yeah. And I said, Oh, I didn't realize it was quality time because I thought it was, I thought it was touch. (laughs) Just a few years ago it was touch. Yeah. But what happened is happened I was too, gone man. more. And we, yeah, <laughs> we just weren't spending a lot of time together. Uh, and then quality time. And quality time to me is like, hey, let's go hiking. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, you know, come ride some dirt bikes with us. Hey, come out to the woods and hunt squirrels. with. That's not quality time to her. Right. <laughs> so what yeah. is quality? And again, it's, and it's knowing what does, what does it look like to them? Uh, I remember 2012, we took it. I was teaching out at Fort Polk and I did a, a seminar on fireproof your marriage. Mm. And 
a part of the lesson was uh, five love languages and I looked over and it was it was touch and I said touch I thought you were affirmation which was on the list but it wasn't number one yeah. and she said no it's 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 touch and I said well I didn't know that I, mm. I, I, I said man I, I I wish I would have known I would touch you more and she said well I just didn't think you wanted to touch me as much I said no it's not that I mean, when we touch, we we touch, <laughs> but then I'm, you know, I'm on to other things. It's not a priority to me until it's a priority. You know what I mean? So, but the her touch wasn't necessarily sexual. Just sitting by each other, put your arm around, you know, maybe a hug here or there. It's just more of that interaction. And here's one thing, guys, I'm going to put this out there right now for those listening. Um, a true gauge of, of your, one of the truest gauge of your intimacy and connection and love in a marriage is, how often you are intimate. Yeah. One of the first questions I'll, I'll, I'll ask couples on the, sometimes the first session, the second session, but is how often are you intimate? Because that connection is important and, it, and it's kind of hard to do if you're not touching. Yeah. You know, it, it's weird if you got to come back to the touch phase. I talked to a couple the other day and, and I said, how often are you intimate? And he said, Chaplain, it's been, it's been two years. And you know that marriage is going south, and it did yeah. within a you know matter of uh, days. So, um, hey, yeah, uh, and uh, I, I loved on that point is uh, something that I've learned from your book. Um, I actually read your whole book. I don't know if you knew that, <laughs> but I, I ha- Brian, I have read your book. It has it yeah. has helped my marriage. So I thank you for that. Wow, thank and, you. And uh, and Good I know Lord. it's it's touched a lot of marriages. It's used for the glory of God. So I appreciate that. But something I've learned out of that is you have to date your wife and you kind of, you kind of bring that up like, Hey, you know, uh, marriages work. And what that means is uh, you do wife maintenance. Uh, It sounds kind of, it sounds kind of wrong, but you do, you, you gotta, like, you gotta know the love languages like, okay, what, how do I connect with this woman? And then uh, also, uh, you know, not just go squirrel hunting, but how do we how do we go and date? What kind of what should that look yeah, like? Yeah, what does she want to do? Sure. Yeah, and just like uh, I remember after I read your book, I thought, hey, I don't know my wife's favorite color. Maybe I should know that. It seems trivial <laughs> it to us. Over, yeah, it might change <laughs> over time too, and then you got to yeah. keep up with that. But but yeah, well, it's just yeah. Let me. Yeah, I was just gonna kind of jump in here because the other thing too, I'm I'm kind of learning at least in my own situation is that you know. Things change over time too. Yeah, yeah um, and I think with our community, um, it's a matter of maturing quicker than the marriage deteriorates. Because um, I, I don't, I don't know if any oh, of I don't know if any of us at you know the twenty year old bonehead that I was um, really is where we ought to be mature wise to right. really to really have a good relationship and so it's i think it's just a matter of just really for those hey for those 20 year olds out there that are married that are going to counseling and trying to get on yeah. top of this my hat's off to you i i certainly didn't do that um but kind of humbling yourself and kind of maturing in the relationship and then keep asking and re-gauging you know what yeah. is it what is it that you know my wife needs from me now because you know, in your thirties and forties and fifties, I mean, things change and there's going to be, you're going to have to kind of be able to flex with that. Right. Yeah, that's true. But, but what you're, what you're speaking about 
is almost foreign to uh, what, what at least what I'm seeing today. Again, we're going back to the uh, quick fix mentality. I, a couple come in and maybe we expect everything to be fixed in one session. But you're talking about cancer. You, you know, you, this is a diagnostic. You're coming in, like taking your car to the, re, the repair clinic, the, the mechanic, because it's not running right. Yeah. And, um, and you find out, man, this car, this transmission is, is going out. So you got some choices to make, but it's not just going to fix itself. And same thing with marriage. You come in and, mm. and, and you find out you have cancer and it may not be full-blown stage four but you need some chemo treatment and it's not going to be fun and it's going to take some work to uh, rid this from your marriage because it just worked its way in, uh, but it, it's got to be done and it takes commitment. So after, you know, a session or two, just you know, kind of fade away because it's, uh, it's, it's too much pour into it. Hey, think about our, our, you hit on this, Mike, our marriages or relationships back in the day when we're young, like you said, and we're not fully matured, but, uh, the marriages that stick it out, they just say, hey, we're going to stick together. We're going to stick this out. Maybe they were just dumb enough to do that and not go running off of, after another skirt or another this or that or, or whatever the case. Um, some of it's because we we didn't pour into, like, like we were talking about the quality time or the affection or the need it or, or what we need. I, I encourage you to watch the short 30-second video clip. It's not about the nail. But we focus in on things that are really are not important to them. What's important to them is to feel loved, appreciated, valued, mm -hmm. and how we demonstrate that, how we show that, mm -hmm. um, how we communicate that makes a difference. And in our world, especially in the military, uh, think about all, all the times you were gone, you couldn't be there for that quality time. So what does it mean? You know, one of the greatest misconceptions that commanders and I, I hear leaders say throughout the army is balance, 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 balance. That, that is the worst concept you can ever put on a, a military member because there is no balance. If you try to balance your marriage with work and life and school and commitments, you are going to be a miserable failure. Uh, now, what you need to do is understand there's not a balance and you both educate yourself on that. You accept it. You're aware of it. And you live in an unbalanced world that becomes a new normal, like jumping out of airplanes. That's not normal. You create a new normal and say, okay, we live in an unbalanced world. We're an unbalanced marriage, yeah. but we pour into it when we can. For instance, I may be gone for a week at TDY. You know what? You're getting 5% on the phone a couple of nights a week. The, the, the military is getting 95% of me. There is no balance. You want me to try to give you 50%? It's impossible. However, I come back. I'm going to commit myself to take you know that three days. And we're going to pour in 95% the other way. We're going to pour in and we're going to, we're going to give and make the biggest impact uh, that when it comes to quality time and care and love and pouring it in. That takes work, guys, is what we're talking about. It takes, yeah. it takes some character to do that. And being young, we, man, we just, we missed it. And subsequently, there's a lot of marriages missed it. And that's, that's the result of, um, coulda, woulda, shoulda, uh, I wish I would have attitudes that can't ever, you can't ever go back. There's no rewind. There's no do over. There's no replay in life. You got one shot, yeah, one right. chance to make a difference. And this is it. Well, it's funny because um, spent 20 years in the military, retired. And uh, I can honestly tell you that looking back now, that went fast. Yeah. And 
I'm really, you know, I look at my marriage and I go, that's the most precious thing that I've got going. I mean, it wasn't the military. Now at the time it was probably the military, but now the military's come and gone, you know, and life yeah. and life goes on. And I can, I can honestly tell you that the most precious thing uh, for those young warriors out there, if you, you know, if you're in a relationship, yeah. you know, keep that thing alive. Cause that thing is, it should, should far surpass uh, anything you've ever done in the military or, or anything else for that matter. And it's, and it's awful cool to still be with, you know, your, yeah. your, you know, the bride of your youth. Yeah. Hey, uh, also on that, let me chime in. Um, Brian is, um, some, and this is really not on your book, but it's something I've learned. It may, you know, it actually may be in your book, but something that I was, uh, taught, uh, the very first day of OTC, I was okay. sitting there and the, the unit sergeant major, he said, don't sacrifice your marriage or your family on the altar of your career. Yeah. And uh, I never forgot that. That's true. Uh, those are fine words. And then he went on to say, yeah. hey, you know, I, I showed up here as an E6, and, uh, you know, I did my uh, tour, and it was like a revolving door. And then when I left, all I've got is my family. And wow. That's yeah. how many guys have we seen that have sacrificed their marriages and their families uh, because they wanted, you know, this deployment, this school, uh, whatever, and they never put the same amount of work into their marriage as they do with their career and their, their marriage, yep. which is the greatest gift that God gave them, uh, apart from their salvation, uh, they just kind of sideline and just take right. it for granted. You're going to so. sacrifice the marriage on the, you know, the temporary yep. on the altar of the permanent. Yeah. And, right. and it, it is disastrous because, you know, when you hang up this uniform, you hang up your Superman coat, you go back to, you, you know, you, what, do you, what do you have? What do, you, what do you have left? And that was that was my turning point, guys. And and I, I may write my testimony into a book someday. But in 2001, I come to a point to where um, we had fa- fallen out of love. And that D word came out, which is, you know, one of the uh, one of the things that need to be eliminated. We call it marriage killers. <laughs> and chapter number four is a D word divorce. Yep. And once it's out, you know, it's you can't take back those things that are said, those names that are called, yeah. you know, they're they're there, and it just one thing leads to another. And I, I remember I was in a bad state, and uh, we got in a fight and, and on a Sunday, a big old argument, and we were you know throwing words around, and the D word came out, and the attorney word came out, and uh, mm. I don't, it was kind of fuzzy and how it all transpired but i i remember that we separated i went to work and i was on this weird shift with the police department where i was off um three days off and four days on but i had i had a couple days of work and i remember coming home on a on a june night now i i I come home but i work till about two in the morning and sometimes a little overtime till three because of my odd shift but that first night i came home i remember sitting on my back porch it was a june night the stars were out it was warm um, me and my partner, and we had a good night. We got in a fist fight. We had a car chase. We had five arrests. It was awesome. <laughs> and I came home from work sitting on my back porch with a bottle of Jack in one hand and Marlboro menthol in the other because that was just life. I was in good shape. I had, we had a house. We had cars. I was a Green Beret and a cop. I had the best of both worlds. I had accomplishments, and my marriage was falling apart. Thought she was going to see a uh, you know, a lawyer, and I thought I had to see one, and I remember just sitting there, 
winding down from my evening on the on the department, looking up to the stars, thinking about my marriage. Yeah. And I said, God, I looked up and I said, God, out loud, how did we get here? Yeah. Is this all there is to life? Yeah. Is this all there is to life? And inside my heart, gentlemen, I, I remember him saying, it's kind of tugging at my heart and said, no, it's not. Yeah. There's there's more to this if you'll just come my way, if it just follow me, if it just come back to me, because yeah. I knew Christ and I served Christ. I preached my first message when I was 17. I, I served the Lord. I yeah. I was a born again believer, but uh, you know, one pastor did something wrong in the church and I was graduating. It kind of blew me out of the water and I said, I'm gonna go join the army and jump out of planes, get money for college and do my thing. But but I tell you what, sitting on that back porch looking up at the stars saying god is this all there is to life and realizing no there's there's more and i started to think about the future and at the time serving as a green beret on my team and and all our little missions and j sets and this and that going here and there uh you know i i had a lot of connections had a lot of uh, i guess you could say experiences in life that were that were good and many 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 of them positive led to great things some of them not so positive could have wish i could have avoided but i should have avoided but but in the scope of it all i began to think about some of the older some of the older green berets you know the gray beards <laughs> like like mike paul you have a beard right now i do it's got a lot of gray in it yeah the gray beards <laughs> from robin sage and sear yeah. you know these and I remember thinking about some of these old guys, and I remember hearing the statistic about, you know, being old, military, retired guy, been divorced twice with two kids and, and a dog and all that. And and I I remember thinking, man, I don't want to be 50 years old. Yeah. And here I am. I, I'm about 30, 30, 30 at that time, 32. And just thinking about how, you know, getting older and then having broken relationships and and you know all kinds of uh, trouble in life but yet on the outside being successful and well liked and having accomplishments but i felt so empty inside guys mm. and i remember that time i started thinking about my son now jordan today he just made um he just made first lieutenant last week he's at fort hood he's a medical officer yeah, yeah. i got a grandbaby on the on the way uh, may 1st that'll be my awesome. first grandchild and but at the time, Jordan was four years old, my, my little redhead, my only child. And I started thinking about the separation, the divorce, and, it, and it, man, it just tore me up to think of Jordan, maybe some other guy raising him, and my son calling this guy dad. And I thought, yeah. I'm supposed to be dad. I'm supposed to be the father. Wait, you know, what happened here? And I was pointing fingers at her where she does this and she don't do this, but really they're just coming back to me because my lifestyle my just the way i lived and who i lived for which was myself my accomplishments my achievements my goals my desires my ambition had pushed her away to where she she loved the man i was but she wasn't in love with the man i became and subsequently i was in love with her because i took my eyes off of her and i took my eyes off god and i remember just talking out loud to god and i said god i I, I don't even want to, I, I don't even know how to fix it. I mean, I know how to fix it because I know scripture. I just didn't live it. Yeah. I'd go to church and take my Bible and 
and, and leave and go to the clubs. But I remember this verse going through my head. It said, draw nigh to God and he will draw, draw nigh to you. And I knew that if I took a step, he would take a step. So the distance then wouldn't be as far because he felt so far away. And uh, I said, God, I, I know that the best thing I could do is just come back to you. Amen. And I said, but I got these addictions. I, I, I was addicted to the party lifestyle, the rock style lifestyle and all the things I was involved with. And, uh, and, and, and the friends associated with that, the alcohol and all that stuff. And I, there's a part of me, that flesh, that didn't want to quit. It had a hold of me. It had his, you know, it had his, uh, what do you call him? I was entangled. Yeah. And, and yeah. And I said, God, I, I, I don't even want to quit this, this stuff, but I know I need to because it's, it's the thing I can't control as now it controls me. And I can't, I can't change without you. I, but, I, but I know I can do all things through Christ, but I don't have a desire to. I had a, I had a spirit guys that was like a prodigal son. It was just, it was, it was dead. It, yeah. it, it hadn't been fed. It hadn't been nourished. It hadn't been uh, spiritually, re, you know, it wasn't revived. It was, it was fading away in the corner. Meanwhile, I was feeding the flesh and everything that, everything that my eyes were interested, I just let it have it. Anything I want to put in my body, you know, I just feeding the wrong stuff instead of the spirit and it had died. And I, Did and that, you see that, me in that pigsty too, Brian? <laughs> well, there too. I was there too, man. Man, yeah. you know what? There's so many of us that have these stories. We could just compile them and share yeah. them. And oh, yeah. We just do some podcasts. With unfor unfortunately, stories. they're not that unique. Um, yeah. Hey, listen. So is there a yearning now for getting back to things that work? Getting back to the truth? I mean, there's just been so much nonsense put out there. Are these young people like... Are they, are they like catching on that this crap don't make sense that they're being that they're being fed on a daily on a daily diet of crap that they're just finally going you know what I'm, I need to yeah. look at what my grandparents were doing and you know what's going on you know back yeah, in the day I, yeah I don't personally see it in younger generation I'm talking twenties I mean I do see some of that resiliency in, uh, in in the 30s and 40s. But again, we're talking about two generations displaced. Right. Uh, what I do see, and even some of our older generation, my son, you know, I'm pushing 50, so 50, 60, some of our older leadership, it just blows me away at the, um, at the, at the acceptance of things that we would not normally accept, mm -hmm. such as when the world changed definitions like morality, uh, when they change, they say, when they say, well, what used to be immoral now is moral and you just accept it. I see a lot of people, you know, a lot of, a lot of our generation just folding. Mm -hmm. Some of them are tired. Some of it's just easier to go along with the flow. The young ones, I, I, I don't see a, um, I don't see a revival within them. I, I just see a, a generation that is, um, going a different way. And, and, and the Bible speaks about that in the last days, yeah. that there's going to be a huge departure from uh, truth and anything that resembles that as in the days of Noah and Lot. So I, I wish it wasn't so, but again, it goes back to no foundation. It goes back to yeah. look, look at, look at the uh, crumbling of our uh, religious foundation uh, with a country built upon Christian yeah. principles and, and uh, family values. And, and we, we don't even have that just about every, 
every prime time show you can put if you find anything you could turn and flip your channel to that shows a family is going to have uh, the, you know the father the dad the husband's going to be a moron yep. you're going to make him out to be a deuce yep. and uh Absolutely. it decays the fabric of families yeah so well, now that's brother, funny. i don't see it that's funny uh anything. yeah it's funny you brought that up uh next week um uh, i know paul and i are going up to you know we have an opportunity to go see jordan peterson but i know um you know, a lot of young men kind of are drawn to Jordan Peterson and the and the you know, the twelve rules of life and all that. And good, good. You know, so I'm just I, I wasn't sure if uh, if men are like just. I mean, I, these young men have got to be feeling like they're just beat down. You know. Well, it could be the demographics I'm in now. My my current unit is is seniors. I mean, the lowest ranks by the E six. We have a few few um, lower ranks run around, but mostly seven and above as OCTs, senior observer controller trainers. So, you know, with older, older folks in the military comes older problems and, and ability to hide your issues a little bit more and maybe develop some coping mechanisms that aren't necessarily on the surface. You know how that is, but yep. hey. um, I'm not, I'm not around the younger soldiers as I would have been in the last duty assignment. So that could stifle some of my input. Hey, uh, Mike and Brian, something that I've I picked up on that we've both your talking points have presented is I think uh, I'm just going to be over here siding with Brian, uh, Mike, so you can feel that uh, ostracism. But I think <laughs> that we have a, a healthy biblical skepticism. Uh, I'm going to call it that of yeah. you know what we're seeing because it's it is lining up with the end times and what we're told in the Bible. But I think there's always there's also that balance that we don't want to just you know, stick our head in the sand and wait uh, for the Lord to return because we are yeah. we are to be working. I know Brian's certainly saying that too, and that's why you wrote the book uh, yeah. to say, "Hey, look." Uh, and there were problems when you wrote the book also in 2015, sure. uh, marriage, sure. and you have all of that stuff. You capture the marriages on the decline, uh, and then our country right after that, uh, you know, voted. Uh, they decided what they thought at least the Supreme court did and uh, said, Hey, now we're going to sanctify what God hates. Yeah, we're now going right. to legislate what God hates. And uh, they, they want to redefine uh, right. marriage, redefine sin right out of existence. But God's definition of marriage is still one man, one woman for life. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, so I, I applaud uh, both sides. I mean, it's good. I mean, we're also trying to be, uh, the the guys that have, uh, you know, not not so skeptic. I was kind of a lost right. words, but to say, hey, look, we can we can still make some stuff happen here that's good in America. Yeah. And uh, I know all three of us love America, and we know that yeah. America has only been blessed so long because of of uh, of Christ, because of the Bible, because yeah. of the founding fathers and the values and all those things. That's the only reason why America has ever been great. Uh, and, and that's, if you just let me talk for one more second, I'm going yeah, off on a tangent, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I always say his name wrong, but Alexis de Turkville, I think he said yeah. that, uh, America is great because she is good. And when she is no longer good, she'll no longer be great. Great. Yeah. And I, I think we have to be careful. And I think that we can turn things around because we know that, you know, God says, if my people will seek my face. Yeah. Humble themselves. Yeah. Humble themselves. Yeah. Then I believe that we can turn things around and not see, you know, uh, you know, an end of 
this country, which I, none of us would want to see, and we'll all do our part to uh, prevent that. But something yeah, you say, the last thing I just want to say is uh, the, the very foundation of our society is marriage. And this is uh, obviously one of the devil's main targets. He wants, he, this is how you destroy uh, a yeah. culture, is you take out marriage, you devalue it, you yeah. change the definitions of it. And you know, that's yeah, what we're yeah. seeing in a front row seat. And so I, I really uh, I applaud uh, your book, and I push it everywhere. I recommend it everywhere that people read this, not just to, before you're getting married, but as a, a yeah. field manual as you're married. And to go, I've been married 27 years, and I need to go back and look at these things. It's very important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I like I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you just said that because you're absolutely right. Just because you got 27 years, 30 years, whatever it is, I mean, right. it's it's like what Brian says. It's work. It's I mean, work. Don't don't be taking it for granted. Like, well, you hit the 30 year mark, then you're just yeah. sitting oh, around waiting for coasting. 40. Yeah. yeah, you just yeah. You know, I'm just I'm on coast now. You yeah. know, it's on cruise, uh, cruise control. control. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, because I mean, uh, it's true. I mean, there's a lot of I see a lot of women after many many years being married, maybe 30, 40 years, divorcing their husbands. I mean, we've all yeah. seen that, you know, and you're, and you're scratching your head and you're going, man, after 40, 30, you know, 40 years, you're getting a divorce. I mean, what's going on there? Hey, yeah. the, other thing yeah, I wanted, sure. the other thing I wanted to sneak in, Brian, is you, sure. you actually say this in your book. I don't know where you say it, but basically you say, hey, when we do things God's way, we get his results. So when yeah. you follow the word of God uh, and you, you have these principles in there, then you're going to you're going to have joy in your marriage. You're going to be happier uh, if you just follow and do things God's way. And so, uh, yeah, you know, man. people look at, they want to, look, I believe people want to be happy, right? And you said this sure. too, they want to be happy, they want to live securely, and they want wisdom to guard their, guide their steps. Uh, yeah. People get married because they want to be happy, and this other, they think this other person's <laughs> right. going to make them happy. Right. But then they just go, well, uh, then they don't want to put any work into it. And that's what yeah. you're outlining here, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the, what you're talking about is like chapter five. You start right, stay right, finish right. Yeah. You start right, you got a better chance of staying right and finishing right. But, right. you know, we, we get a lot of marriages that come to us in counseling like a train off the track at 70 miles an hour. And it's almost impossible to get them back on the track because they didn't start right. Think of, yeah. You know, I, I could think of uh, even personal relationships that maybe didn't start off right. You got to get them right. You might have a conflict with somebody on your team that have a personality conflict, didn't start right. Later on, it gets right and they become great friends. But, you know, in this case that if you didn't start right, let's say for those that are listening or maybe tuning in or maybe I'll click the box later and check this out. Like, I know that there's so many that don't start right. I'm talking about having God in the center, having a foundation, yeah. you know, um, putting each put you know, putting each other as a priority in life, and and trying to start off right and have those commitments, understand each other, and you know, communicate effectively. All those different things. I I'm not one to believe that people start right all the time. I got it, but you can certainly get right. You can get it right by learning these things, and then you can. Do your best to maintain it, like the house, to to you know, identify those problems, uh, chapter one, and then to eliminate the problems because we're so quick to eliminate. We got couples that are they're 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 trying to eliminate symptoms of the problem. Well, we just don't get along. Uh, he don't talk to me. We're not getting down to the core yeah. issue. 
uh, it's all superficial. And then what happens is you leave that relationship because, well, you want an instant gratification. It doesn't work out. You don't learn anything from it, and you take everything into the next relationship. Yeah. And then it just keeps repeating itself and repeating itself. And and if you're not careful, oh, uh, the, the divorce rates are, are statistically years five through eight. They call that the seven-year itch, right? So, you know, you're looking for something new. But those that are struggling in marriage, and maybe you're listening and you're struggling and you're you're at the seven, eight-year mark, and maybe you're at the 10. They say that a lot of people that make it past 10 stay together for the sake of the what? Yep. The kids, right? Yep, that's it. But then what happens now is that there's a huge, there's a huge uh, rise in, in divorce rates over 20 years now, especially 25 and up. And what happens is you stick together for the sake of the kids, but you, you're you're not in love, and uh, you may spend some time together, but it's not that bubbly love. Can't wait to see love. The intimacy is failing. Uh, we're so you know we got so many responsibilities and and different things going on in life that uh, everything's a priority except each other. Mm-hmm. And then when the kids move out of the house, you, you got two people left together with nothing in common except for the family dog, mm-hmm. and. And it's so easy nowadays for social media to put stuff in our pa- face and connect us with, with um, you know, with other people so easily to just uh, allow our love to be uh, sidetracked by uh, other things that it it becomes a temptation. So I I remember doing a crunch on numbers where uh, I think it was in uh, statistics put out in 2012 that Facebook. That statistically somehow dr- dr- drove up the the rate of divorce, <laughs> where people were connecting with their long lost loves on Facebook. Like I'm not saying that Facebook is evil. I'm just saying that when we yeah, don't yeah. work to stay in love with the one that we're married to, then it's easy to fall in love with somebody that provides something that your spouse doesn't give you. Absolutely, Brian. And I I wanted to sneak that in there too uh, for those who are listening. You, you do want to check out this book. There's all these gems that are found in there. And one of those things I remember is uh, not only to watch your words, right? Yeah. Words can be used for, uh, you know, good or evil. Uh, but then to watch stuff like, uh, you know, so your electronic device use. Yeah, guard yourself. I, I remember uh, looking at one of the pages in your book and, you know, you got this family uh, yep. sitting down at the table and everybody has got <laughs> a flipping uh, you yeah. know, LCD screen in their hand and, and no one is spending time with each other. And we yep. wonder why there's, uh, you know, there's communication problems and dysfunction uh, because everybody is in their own little world. Lots of distractions. Yeah. And, and uh, but there's so many gems in that. Um, hey, I wonder if uh, you could just give us a, a, a kind of a parting shot uh, yeah. as we're kind of hitting this hour mark. Yeah, I'll do that. So we were, I was just hot on that, hot on the whole concept of of starting right and staying right and finishing right. I mean, I want to finish right, but yeah. you know, if you if if you're struggling, no matter how long you've been married, there's ups and downs. We got it. There's you know, there's some that are hot and and some that are cold. I mean, my whole goal is to get the cold ones warm and the warm ones hot and keep the hot ones hot. That's it, myself included. Yeah, and that's what this is about. So I would encourage you and those that are listening to. Um, consider it. Consider taking those steps today that lead to a victory tomorrow. Mm. Consider consider it like um, I don't know, like the I always have a movie with uh, baby steps, right? <laughs> uh, I've heard, never, yeah, 
Oh, I forget the name of it. You know, baby steps right. to the couch. Baby steps. So what the point Bob? of it is, yeah. yeah, what about Bob? <laughs> so I, I do talk a little bit about what I consider to be baby steps. And I'll, I'll leave you with this example from um, chapter number one. It's called One Step at a Time. And it's found on page number seven. But it's uh, what I talk about is my favorite place to climb in all the U.S. is in this back of the wood Appalachian place called Seneca Rocks in West Virginia. And uh, I've been there 12 times and, and me and my boys made a commitment to try to go there every year we can. And we try to go in October. So we went last year, me and the boys and had a great time. Been there, like I said, several times. But I have taken so many people there climbing for the first time uh, ever. And now I'm talking real rock climbing. This isn't a gym. I was on an uh, ODA, we were a mountain team and uh, we climbed in Colorado, we climbed in Joshua Tree, we climbed in Boulder. Uh, Denver, climbed all over the place, Austria, uh, Iceland, and um, but our first place that we went rock climbing after mountain school was the Seneca Rock, so it drew a place in my heart. And I was tasked out to uh, be a primary tra uh, trainer with Craig Johnson, who's, who's now deceased, he died of cancer last year, but him and I were our senior, senior climbers and uh, trainers. So not only did we have our ODA, but we had some uh, some members from other uh, detachments and operational detachment alphas, some some special forces guys, Green Berets, you know all that. But not everybody had climbed before. In fact, some have never climbed at all, <laughs> and we're all different, you know, body shapes and compositions, but good shape. So we hike up to the rock, and I got all my gear, and everybody's got their packs, and we had already divided up and had some classes. But when we get to the parking lot, we look at Seneca Rocks. You can Google it. Man, it's like this pinnacle rock that just sticks out of the ground. And it seems so high. It seems like thousands of feet high. It's not that high, but it looks like it. And so I have, you know, grown men to my left and right, strong men, you know, military men. Look at that rock and say, oh, man, Brian, I can't climb that thing. <laughs> I have some that are definitely afraid of heights, but still jump out of planes. Can you believe that, Mike? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we do a lot of night jumps. And, and I said, hey, don't worry about that. I said, we're going to get to the top of it. Now, oh, no, no, I, I couldn't do that. I said, well, I think you will by the time we're done. So we take the hike. It's about a half mile, scramble up through the rocks and through the trees. And above the tree line, we get to the base of the rock where we train. And uh, Craig and I, we scamper up and put in some top ropes. And we start teaching uh, basic belaying and climbing. And one of the things we key on is how to get it over to fear factor and how to, how to get victory in the face of adversity. But again, we stand there and some of the same guys look at that and say, I, can, I can't climb this. I can never do that. It looks like a sheet of glass, but it's not. And I said, hey, forget about all that. Now, this is for marriage too. We, we're looking so far ahead that we can't even see what's in front of us. I said, forget about that. I said, look right here in front of us. What do you see? You see this handhold? Oh yeah, yeah. And what about over here to your right? What do you see? Well, here's a handhold. What about your feet? There's one and there's one. It's like, okay, well, can, can you grab this? Before you know it, they're on the rock and they look up and say, oh man, I can't get up there. And I said, don't worry about, you know, 20 feet above and you see where I'm going with this. I said, but, but can you at least, can you get to this ledge 10 feet above? Well, I don't know. What about this handhold? And I'm going to point things out and sometimes I would climb beside and they, and, and, and it's not half of them think they're crazy because they can't believe they're doing this. And what, what seemed the impossible task, wouldn't you know it, before too much longer, 90 feet later, 
we're standing on top and there's joyous shouts of woohoos and oh yeah i made it yeah hootie hoo and all that stuff and uh and he said well how did how did you make it there and it was simply just one step at a time why not not necessarily looking long term at what you what maybe you think you can't do in your marriage your relationship but what you can do right now what can you affect what can you change right now what can you put your hand to put your hand to the plow put your nose to the grind and do this because man i want to fight for my marriage i want to learn some things about my spouse i want to pour in i want to fall in love and be in love i'm going to work because what may look impossible it can be impossible with one step at a time and with god i want to go the distance so I encourage you, hey, take one step at a time and don't be daunted by the task of you know, trying to make it down the road of life 30 years. Have that as a goal, but work on today and pour that into tomorrow and you'll be surprised at where it'll take you one step at a time. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, definitely, uh, it's been an honor having you today and uh, talking about a really important topic especially for warriors today and all the challenges that yeah, we face that's right but it doesn't really matter whatever your walk of life is i mean uh we could all sure. we could all use uh a little time to uh, focus on our marriage and those things that are very important to us but anyway we appreciate you coming on today uh yeah and, uh, guys. And definitely it. stay in touch and we'll have you on the podcast again all right team you take care good talking to you mike and paul yeah. i will sign on yeah, hey guys out there yeah. too. Uh, don't forget uh, the book is "Marriage Is a Four Letter Word." Uh, you've been listening to Dr. Brian Hargis, who is also a U.S. Army chaplain, a former uh, master sergeant in the Special Forces. So, uh, a lot of great gems in the book. Uh, even if you've been uh, married, uh, you know, for three minutes or thirty years, or you're just getting into this, you might want to pick up this volume. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pine Lander podcast. And uh, please don't forget to check out our sponsors, uh, Blacksmith Publishing. Got a lot of great titles available in the bookstore. Yeah, you can go to www.blacksmithpublishing.com. Uh, also, uh, if you're looking for some cool Pine Lander merchandise, uh, head on over to pinelander1776.com. Uh, they've got a great selection of hats, jackets, shirts, stickers, patches, posters, and a whole lot more. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel, stay physically strong, mentally straight, and socially astute. That was good, guys. Thanks for the opportunity.